0: Appalachia is a 205,000-square-mile region that follows the spine of the Appalachian Mountains from southern New York to northern Mississippi. It includes all of West Virginia and parts of 12 other states, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Maryland, Mississippi, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Often misunderstood and overlooked, Appalachia is home to some of the best writers and publishers in the United States. This program seeks to profile those authors and publishers, revealing how the region influences and impacts their work. From the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio, I'm your host, Elliot Parker, and now, Appalachia. friends, we welcome you to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio, and we have another outstanding writer with us today on our program to talk to us about her latest collection of essays, Pleasing Tree, and that author is Brooke Larson, and Brooke Larson is a native of Indiana, Pennsylvania. She is also a writer, ecologist, and sometimes a wilderness guide. She holds an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University and is currently finishing a Ph.D. in English at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. A chapbook of her poem plays, Origami Drama, is available through Quarterly West Publishing. And we are delighted to have Brooke Larson with us today on the program. Brooke, welcome to Now Appalachia. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So before we get started talking about your, your book and your career as a writer, uh, we should point out that as of the taping of this program, you are actually in London, England. So what are you doing in London, England?
1: Well, I got here last night and I'm wondering myself, um, my, my sister and her family live here and my parents just moved here from Barcelona. So
0: I, I'm dropping in. So how long are you planning on staying to to visit or are are you going to make this like a a second home for yourself to be? I wish.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think other people have the same idea. So there's a few visitors here. Um, If family moves to London, like lots of people like to drop in. So I'm on the couch. I don't know how long they'll keep
0: me. (laughs) So that might be a sign that they're glad to have you, but just don't stay too long. (laughs) Well, we're delighted to have you and uh, what a great trip. And London's one of my favorite cities in all the world. And I would encourage anybody, if you get a chance to go, uh, to go because it's really great. The British people are awesome and food's great. There's just nothing better than, than a trip to London, but you've taken a lot of trips in order to write your latest collection, your latest book of essays called pleasing trees and Before we kind of get into some of the specifics about what's in the book and the collection of essays, for our audience who may not be familiar with uh, the genre of essay writing, they may come from a background of knowing what a novel is and what a short story is and what memoir is and what sci-fi literature is, describe for us some of the characteristics of the essay genre and someone who's writing in that genre or putting together a collection of essays in that genre what is that like and what are some of the characteristics of that essay genre?
1: Sure. So I think there's a lot of different niches within essay writing. I would maybe characterize the essays in this book as lyric essays. So, um, some of those traits are a meandering tone. Um, I'm not trying to prove anything, um, or set out an argument. It's really the movement of my thoughts and, in the case of these essays my feet where I'm wandering um, so there's a personal tone there is a personal narrative there I'm talking from my own perspective but I'm bringing in ecology and and theology philosophy lots of different ideas enter my own narrative um, so I think of the structure of these is it's really more like a, a river it wanders around um, I think the word essay maybe kind of has a cold feeling for some of us because we were made to read essays in school and then we were supposed to talk about the key points um, and what the argument was, what is the thesis of your essay. Uh, I don't know that there is a thesis in these essays. Um, It's really a play with language and ideas and landscape.
0: And I know that one of the things that we see really in your essay collection, Pleasing Trees, is the human relationship with wilderness. That's kind of a theme uh, that kind of emerges from a lot of this. And um, I, I like how... There's, a, there's an experiment kind of in, in primitive survival that occurs in one of your stories where um, uh, there's kind of a Mormon founded experiment in, in primitive survival that occurs in one of your essays. Can you tell us a little bit about, about what that is and sort of what's going on in that particular essay? Because I really found that one interesting and fascinating.
1: Sure, thanks. Um, that's the essay that opens the collection. So the, the program is called Anasazi Foundation, it's based in Arizona. And it's where I was dropped off as a troublemaker teenager to um, go explore the wilderness for for seven weeks with guides, two guides. And so the point of the program is um, not to give you a, a, a boot camp experience. There's nothing that you have to do, um, and there's no levels that you have to achieve. It's just to go out and experience nature and learn some primitive skills. So for example, we would make fire with sticks, we would build primitive shelters, um, we, we make our backpacks out of a tarp and rope, um, trying to really get back to basics. So um, when I was older, I went back and was a guide there and working with teenagers going through their own rite of passage. So that, that essay explores some of the philosophy of that program which is kind of unique in the primitive survival program world, because it has no boot camp element. Um, it's much more freestyle, uh, much more raw, I would say. So combining those philosophies with with things from Buddhism, um, from Buddhist thought, and and then of course from my Mormon background, uh, braiding those ideas together.
0: So how does someone get sent to, or as you mentioned, dropped off at this kind of a camp in Arizona? What what, what have you done or what requirements? You've got to be a real broken? pain in the
1: ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, one of the things I love about this program is it has the whole um, spectrum of backgrounds. So there are actually kids who choose to do this program because they want to learn those skills. Uh, you have other kids who are court ordered, um, kids with drug problems, others with depression problems, maybe eating disorders. Uh, So it's the whole range, you really get a mix. But when they come out to the program, the guides do not know uh, what the child is dealing with. So that's part of the philosophy that there's no labels and there's no diagnoses that cross into the wilderness. Um, The guides just know they're supposed to care for these people and and to see them with new eyes and give them a fresh start.
0: And, and speaking of, of kind of different landscapes, one of the things I really like about all the essays in your collection is we're kind of going on this journey with you, and we're going across these different landscapes, these different cityscapes that you profile in the essays, um, and kind of looking at, you know, the blandness of the desert, the loneliness of urban life, um, communi- communion with plants, uh, even the science of stomach bacteria has kind of addressed in some of your essays. Um, there's just really a, a lot at work here. And, um, I, what I found was really interesting is that, and I, I don't know if this is the right word to, to describe this, but, but you kind of talk about how nature, uh, through these different landscapes, and really people, the human being, you know, are kind of, kind of weird, kind of quirky, uh, not linear, not smooth. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, and is, is that something that kind of emerged as you were putting the different essays together, or did you know when you sat down to put, the, put them together that this was going to be, or that was going to be a theme or an approach that you were going to take?
1: Yeah, um, I, I didn't. I never saw this coming together as a book. Um, I was writing these different pieces from, I guess, different adventures I was having in the wilderness, but of course those themes emerged, um, because they were always emerging from my own mind and body and experiences, uh, turning the same questions over and over again, uh, in different ways. So I think, um, when the book did start to come together, it was, it was a Exciting for me to see how they organically linked um, That all along they were flowing into each other, but I didn't know that at the time So it was actually a real joy to figure out the order of this manuscript and to then highlight the themes throughout Um, But what you're saying about it uh, How people and and life on earth is weird and not linear uh, that definitely shaped the structure of each essay individually, and then the way they connect with each other. Um, I, one friend called it a
0: crooked braid. That's kind of the structure I was going for. Very good. We'll, we'll come back to some of the specifics of your collection in just a second, but I wanted to ask you, what is the challenge or difficulty in writing essays? Because we've had a lot of different authors on over the last year or so on the program talking about you know, the difficulties in writing a novel or the difficulties in writing memoir. Um, and the benefits too, obviously for both of those genres and the writers that we've had on and others as well have certainly outweighed the struggles. But what are some of the challenges of writing in this genre or, you know, when you get an idea or, or a theme that you'd like to work out through different essays, what can be some of the challenges uh, in writing in that genre?
1: Sure. Um, I think the biggest problem for me with this one was myself knowing how much, um, to reveal of my own story and then, and then trying to decide where, where the doorway is to a more universal narrative. Um, so having my own particularities and, and good writing rests on particularities, but trying to figure out, uh, yeah, those, those portals into a, a bigger story that connects with more people. Um, also, you just have an overwhelming amount of information Uh, Setting out to write essays. So you have your own narrative. You have all the research that you're doing for it for me a lot of research that went into this was wilderness therapy and The life of plants those um, Plants are where I was drawing my metaphors so I was doing tons of research on that and it and it just gets heavy it gets too much and um, It felt at the end that writing the essays was carving away everything that I had compiled together So um, yeah, a process of erasing and carving out all the extra information to be left with something that still coheres, but is able to shine because it's not
0: bogged down with details. And ArcPair Press is the publisher of your uh, collection of essays pleasing tree and I had a chance to talk with Heather your publisher and I found out that she grew up between Pittsburgh and the West Virginia border not too far from where you were from in Indiana Pennsylvania and that her family still lives kind of in that Pittsburgh West Virginia border area so you all kind of were raised from the same area. She's still got family that lives there, which I found really interesting in terms of the Appalachian connection. But how did you meet up with Heather and how did you uh, get connected with uh, ArcPair Press in terms of getting them to publish your essays?
1: Okay, well, Heather's amazing. I'm glad you got a chance to talk with her. She graduated from my program at the University of Louisiana in Lafayette. So she was there ahead of me. but we both connected with um, a professor there, Dr. Diana Stetko, and through Dr. Stetko, we were connected where she was like, Heather is great, you'll love her, send her some of your writing. She's starting a press, uh, and that is how we connected. I didn't know we had this um, connection through our background coming from similar places. That only came out meeting you, Elliot, thank you.
0: Fantastic. That's good to know. That is good to know. I, I enjoyed uh, talking with her quite a bit and I appreciate her uh, sending me uh, an arc uh, of your book. Um, I want to go back to your your stories uh, and we are joined here on now Appalach on this episode by Brooke Larson. She is the author of the latest collection of essays called Pleasing Tree from the aforementioned Arc Pair Press. And there's one short story I, I really liked that uh, just had me laughing out loud and just engrossed from the beginning and that was about midway through on page sixty-eight of your book. Piss on heartsick, and the opening line, uh, actually the first two lines, really just made had me laughing out loud. So I wanted to read those and then ask you to give us some content and context and comments yeah. about this. It says uh, uh, right below the title there, "Piss on heartsick." I'm a recreational urban urinator. What started as an emergency has since bloomed into intimacy for cities of 8 million people are not kind to girls with bladders, the size of walnuts so that such a girl has a decision to make to potty dance through life or to engineer a certain cat sharp awareness of her surroundings. So give us a, some context as to what's going on there and kind of what's happening in that particular essay. Cause that was another one of my favorites in your collection.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, I, one of the things I deal with in this collection is, uh, well, you mentioned it, urban loneliness and, and primitive survival. And those are two parts of my life, especially during this time where I was going to school in New York City. But during the summer, I was working as a wilderness guide in Arizona. Um, so th- there is this huge disjuncture, it felt in my life, between what I was doing during the year and what I was doing during the summer. And um, a- and wanting to integrate the things I love about being in the wilderness into city life so that I could stay sane and survive. I think you put it urban loneliness. Um, and part of that is just a functional thing. And that's, um, that's pissing when you're in a city and it's hard to find bathrooms and they're not always available. Something I was really struck with in my first year there is that men could piss anywhere and they did. And, uh, and realizing that <laughs> i couldn 't do that, so what could I do? and so it became almost this ritual to find the right bush, to find the right tree, the right spot, in a way that 's respectful to the other city goers, but also in a way that makes it so I can live so I can survive and be sane in a city instead of scrambling around trying to find the nearest mcdonald 's bathroom <laughs> uh, so that is where it came from and it, And I think there's, I mean, it is funny and embarrassing and pitiful, um, but there is a a deeper meditation going on at the time with that for me. And that is just heartbreak or loss um, and how it can make you feel so vulnerable and you can't do the graceful thing anymore. You can't behave in the way you're supposed to behave when you're grieving. And so uh, in that essay, that story of learning how to piss outside in a city became woven with um, a big loss for me and just learning how to embrace acting in a way that isn't acceptable, but that is real.
0: Very good. Very good. And very well said. I want to ask you about something uh, you mentioned at the beginning of our interview about kind of a Buddhist uh, tinge to some of your work or or that idea of Buddhism. Um, How has your Appalachian upbringing, And also, you mentioned this as well, your Mormon faith or Mormon upbringing. How does that influence your work as a writer?
1: Uh, I think it pulls me all over the place in lots of different directions at once, um, which shows up in the way I write, where it's more of a constellation. It's not linear. Um, So a big influence for me when I was living in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and, and these are a very innocent vivid memories for me because I was just a kid, but we would um, We would go to church in, in someone's house because there weren't a lot of Mormons there, but the house was near Amish country So you'd see people in their buggies driving around and and practicing their faith and we were practicing ours and it um, I was so moved and a little bit obsessed with um, what I saw of the Amish while I lived there. It just seemed like a very um grounded and, and composed and to me mysterious way to live. And uh yeah, I that's always stayed with me. And also the the smallness and humility of meeting in someone's house for church was poignant to me as a little girl. And um yeah, I'm. I'm no longer Mormon, but um, but I have that lens still. Those ideas that I was brought up with, and that that tight community. Um, and then Buddhism for me was, I guess it was rehab after leaving Mormonism. Just a, a different philosophy that that helped me to still feel connected to something larger, but the ideas were more flexible for me and pliable and, and uh, I think mapped more truly onto the experiences I was having at the time. So Buddhism was good therapy for me.
0: And that that ties in directly to a line that you had. And I wrote this down and I don't remember what story this came from, but there's a line where you write, the world is obscene with meaning. And I think that that ties in so much to, to what we see in your essay collection, but also kind of what you're talking about here, both the, that Mormon influence growing up as well as growing up in Appalachia and, and the Amish con- connections that you had in those memories. So we mentioned, uh, Brooke, that you also are the uh, author of a chapbook of poem plays called Origami Drama. So tell us a little bit about that, what that was about, uh, and, and when did that come out? How, how soon prior to uh, your collection of essays pleasing tree how how far back did that come out did they come out relatively close together tell us a little bit about that collection
1: okay they actually came out the same month which was weird they both came out in march but the the pieces in pleasing tree were written 8 to 6 years ago so this collection it's been it's been sitting for a while i think it i needed to become okay with it before i was ready to send it out um, so the pieces in origami drama were written in the past two years. They're more recent. And I think um, I, I needed to move away from nonfiction after the collection uh, even though that still plays plays a part in everything I write. But this was an experiment in very short pieces, flash pieces and um, more silliness, more absurdity, theatrics. And, uh, and the body comes in, just like in these essays, but it comes in in a literal way. So with origami drama, each page is to be ripped out and folded. And there's a map that shows you how to fold the pieces. And then each piece becomes a prop in the performance that is written. I'm not sure if I explained that very well, but it's an interactive book that's meant to be ripped apart and performed.
0: We're speaking with author Brooke Larson here on Now Appalachia. We're talking to her about her latest collection of essays called Pleasing Tree, as well as the chapbook of her poem plays called Origami Drama, which is available through Quarterly West Publishing. So, Brooke, who are some writers that influence or inspire you?
1: Um, Anne Carson, a Canadian poet, uh, playwright, scholar, she... She's a huge influence. Um, I don't think I I don't write like her. Um, oh, I wish. But she, her her depth and and the way she invents forms and brings in all of her knowledge and background from different fields into her art is really incredible. Uh, another person I'm reading a lot of is Sabrina Oramar. She's a poet. She writes fiction and. Uh, for me, I love her work so much because there, there's such a, a levity and goofiness to it. And she uses all this surreal imagery that is incredibly original. And yet underneath, there is such a sad and profound depth a current running through each story. So the way she manages to combine those two things, the, the laughter and the sadness, and weave them together so closely is a huge influence.
0: Very good. So as we finish up our discussion today, Brooke, uh, what are you working on next? What is the next project you're tackling, and where are you in terms of uh, that project? Are you at the idea stage? Are you drafting? Uh, do you have something more polished and complete ready to be sent out? Where are you on your next project?
1: I'm in the idea stage and it's terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a new project going on, but just like always in the beginning, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and it's scary. Um, and right now what I'm putting on paper, it's not quite right. So I'm I'm trying to stay in that space of uncertainty and let the ideas keep growing. So the the next project is uh, it's an audio project. It's combining sound and, and translating that sound onto the page using different notations. Um, so I'm playing around with, with new territory for me. It's exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm scared right now, <laughs> but I trust the process. So even though this is the hard part, trying to understand what I'm doing, it's also the exciting part because anything could happen.
0: Absolutely. That's very true. So yes, you're right. It is the the idea development stage is always uh, exciting, but can be terrifying as well, especially when you have that moment where you think, am I going to be able to translate this into something that somebody else is going to be able to read and understand? So I'm glad that you you, you feel that same way as most writers do with that whole process. So uh, Brooke, in our final moments with you today, if uh, anyone wants to get in contact with you to talk to you about essay writing, uh, or any other questions or concerns they have with writing, or if they want to get a copy of pleasing tree or your origami drama, uh, poem play chat book. First of all, how can they get in contact with you and where can they get copies of origami drama and pleasing tree?
1: Okay. Um, well, I'm old fashioned. I have an email. Um, should I share my email?
0: (laughs) Sure. Go right ahead
1: okay i have a ridiculous email that i've had since i was a teenager so it's kind of hard to remember it's sonofalars at gmail.com s-o-n-o-f-a-l-a-r-s at gmail please email me that would be so fun but you can you can get pleasing tree off of amazon or at art pair press at their website origami drama i believe is just available at Quarterly West website.
0: Okay, very good. Brooke Larson has been our guest here today on now Appalachia. We've been talking to her about her career and also growing up uh, as a native Appalachian. She's a native of Indiana, Pennsylvania. She's a writer, a wilderness guide. She holds an MFA in creative writing from Columbia. She's the author of the chat book of poem plays origami drama. And we've been spending a lot of time talking with her today about her latest collection of essays, which is really great and really interesting. And I would encourage everyone to pick up a copy that is pl- Pleasing tree, P L E A S I N G space T R E E, and that is from Arc Pair Press. So, Brooke, congratulations uh, on your new collection of essays, and best of luck to you on your new project as you kind of flesh through the ideas there, and as you uh, keep putting more things out. We'd love to have you back on the program to talk about it. So, thanks for Thank being you with so us. Much. Congratulations. We also want to take a moment as we finish this episode of Now Appalachia to thank uh, my producer, Teresa Russ, who is with us each and every episode here on Now Appalachia and make sure that everything runs smoothly behind the scenes. So thanks so much to Teresa. The executive producer of Now Appalachia is Pam Stack. This is a copyrighted podcast owned by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Elliot Parker. Stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope.